Hello, my friends, Nigel here, and welcome to Backable, the podcast where we explore the top performance habits in both business and life. Businesses eat cash. And if you're looking to grow your business, you're going to have to feed it on an ongoing basis. Today, Tim and Alana focus on the SME owners out there who are looking to self-fund their business growth. They ask the ever-important question many business builders are struggling with. Are you investing enough in your business? Hope you enjoy. One of the challenging experiences that we all have as business builders is trying to calibrate the amount of money we need to continually reinvest in our companies. And this is not something that's necessarily easy for a lot of business owners because there's particularly people who are self-funded, that the idea of when the business starts to get on a bit of a roll, there's more cash coming in, you're starting to make a little bit of a profit, that that profit's yours. and one of the counterintuitive ideas is when does that money become yours? Now, I'll try not to be too confusing at the start, which is, of course, the business and the, the money the business makes is yours. But if you have ambition to grow the company, it's going to eat cash at some stage. And what you have to work out is, is it going to self-fund or are you going to seek external investment or capital injections during those growth phases? So today, Lana we're, and Nigel, we're going to talk about this idea of are you spending or investing enough into your business? Because once you understand this and you have a plan around it, it makes the journey a little bit easier because you're not looking at all the money you're putting back in the businesses, your money being spent. It's the business's money that it needs to grow and obviously keep reinvesting until you start to get some critical mass, and then you can take all the money out you want. So, Lana, I think that one of the interesting things we did early on was cap our wages in our company. And that was an interesting sort of idea because we capped it before we were even making enough to be almost sustainable in our lives. So, we were investing to keep the business going, as in we were making some money and then the business was going back in. But we did actually cap our wage regardless of how well we did. We capped our wage and then we also didn't take dividends or bonus because we made that decision early on to grow the business and we were the lowest paid across the board because we kept hiring with the money and giving those people better wages as we brought more on. Yeah, so it was always reinvest any excess into things that would grow the business faster. Yeah, and this is always a really interesting thing to come across because Some people are very motivated by money, or they think they are. But if you can frame this whole idea of putting money back in and being motivated by seeing the growth, by hiring another employee, by getting a better advisor, by building a better system, it's not as painful as it sounds to not be taking as much money because you see your asset growing with every, every month really that more money comes in and it's put in the right place. I think that might be one of the key ideas is putting it in the right place. Because for most business owners, they don't know where to put excess money. So the the problem is that they might make some extra money early on and then what do they do then? They spend it on something. So I go, I know what we need. We need a better website. We need a better logo. We need some branding. We need something like that. And they do it and they don't have an immediate effect 
into the business. They say, well, I just wasted all that money and now I need money for something else or whatever it is. And it feels like that money was thrown away because they're looking so short term or they've invested in the right area for what they need right now. And this is that whole idea that we have to and we need to keep reinforcing is you have to know the direction you want to take your business. If your business is a vehicle for your personal investments only, and all that matters is that you achieve a certain wage or remuneration every year, and anything of bonus you want to take out, no problem. Go for gold, optimize the business, and then make sure the money's working for you in your private life, where that might be through personal investments in whatever you want to do. That's obviously not our area of to commentate on in this type of forum. But we see, particularly early on, Lana, we we had ambition to grow a a substantially sized company. So we knew that without external investment, because we didn't want to bring on shareholders, we didn't want to bring on investors in any way, even though we were offered it a few times across the, the initial journey in a few of our companies, that idea of control for us was really important, whether that's the illusion of control. But that whole idea was we want to retain as much of our independence as we can as a couple. So we're going to have to take more risk with the money we're making to put it back in the business. You raise a really good point around what is the point of the business for your life? Because we could have just, and we still can to this day, we could have just run it, the two of us, made bank, kept going on in our lives. But that wasn't really the interest and it's why we could have those discussions of hiring the first, second and third employee to free up Alana and Tim to do the work that would grow the business. So we could have had a bigger wage, but it would have meant from our point of view, that we were tied into this business in the same way we could have got investment, we could have got shareholders, but we would have been tied in a different way. It's an interesting time, isn't it? Because we'd had those periods where we were probably making more money early on. You bring on a few employees, you do a few things, you make less money and the company's twice as big. Then you make a little bit more money and then you make less. So it sort of ebbs and flows based on where you're at in the development cycle of your company. And it it sort of plays with your head a bit because you feel like, but we're triple the size that we were and we're making more money. And then you see a lot of SMEs go, it was just easier to run a smaller company and they naturally pull the company back in some way. So they're always in this cycle of small company, a little bit bigger, small company, a little bit bigger, where you have to break through that moment. Do you think that people go through that cycle of pulling themselves back because they get to the point where they dip down in their reserves because that's the next stage of investment, but they haven't got the plan to go further. So they don't have that vision there. From my point of view, it was for us, it was very interesting. We hired our first, I'll say real employee and having to pay them a wage every single fortnight or week, you'd see this amount coming out of the bank account. And all you think is, well, that money could be going into my my account. And it's not- Can I just jump on that? Because it's a really important point. It could be going into your bank account, but it's it's that moment which is, but you're investing in yourself, aren't you? Because- Thank you, my darling. So, it's not until- (laughs) (laughs) Oh my God, I could just get on with your point. I've got got things to do this time of year, please. (laughs) Sorry. (laughs) It's not until you see the work that that first employee takes off your plate that you see where that investment could be going. And for me, that was a real- it was a big change for me because we had a close friend of mine was our first employee, but she was definitely a uh, 
mental hire, which was she calmed me down a lot. And we had that very open discussion that her background wasn't in digital, but she was the right fit for the business to help me move it forward. We then hired the second hire, but the first sort of official hire and seeing the difference that that person made to me, Tim, and this other person, you couldn't buy it. And that's when that investment into the business really clicked for me because I could see for the next hire, well, that would make us better in advertising. The next hire, that would make us better in content. And it's only because Tim and I had this discussion at the very start of we are going to grow this business. So every person we hire is going to play a role that's going to help us grow the business. That point's a real landmine, I think, that a lot of um, business owners get wrong and ruin their whole business in that moment. When you talked about first hire you had as a young entrepreneur was a friend because it really it calmed you having a friend in the depths of battle with you during those periods while you're going through a big learning stage of being an entrepreneur, running your own company, having someone you could trust and rely on and you know, wouldn't get an email on Monday morning saying I'm leaving, which is sort of, it creates a whole lot of things. But at that moment, many entrepreneurs give away equity to someone who doesn't have a skill. So they, they don't want them to leave, so they give equity. And then when they start to get to a level of significance, they need more or need to leverage that equity and it's gone. It's a really dangerous position for the, anyone who's going through that at the moment. That's your first big battle, which is if you're hiring a friend, which is a very natural thing in an entrepreneur, you get excited about your business, you're starting to get some traction, you start to grab your friends because no one else will work for you and you give away way too much early and it's because it doesn't feel like it's worth anyway. So, I always see these um, entrepreneurs that come up and talk to me and like, oh, yeah, yeah, no, I gave away equity because, you know, we're going to be in it together. I'm like, what skill set did you give equity away for? Oh, no, but they're close friends and, you know, without them, we wouldn't have been able to get the logo done. I'm like, you don't value your company or where you're heading because if you really believe you're going to hit the ambition, you've just given equity away to someone that could be worth millions of dollars for what? And so, just that's a really good input. I won't go too far off track, but that's for the young players out there, never give equity away for something you can pay for. You just don't have the money and that's a different problem. Maybe a different (laughs) podcast, Nigel, now. (laughs) But that's important. I mean, in that first one, understanding when you're paying people more than you is very difficult as a business owner, particularly if you're struggling at that time to feed yourself. You know, <laughs> you've got might have a family, you might have a whole lot of things happening, but you're paying a whole lot of people more than you're getting paid. It can really play with your head, can't it? Because you're like, why am I paying people when I should just take extra money? But if you constantly take on the things so you can pay yourself more, you're never going to be able to get the freedom as the owner to start looking at how do we create something of substance. Over the last hundred odd shows, we've spoken at length about strategy, about ego, about leadership, about planning. This is all what it comes to. If you don't have a plan, if you are saying, I'm worth more than this, you're, you're not going to grow because you're going to keep saying, well, I deserve more money. Look, you deserve more money, but do you deserve it right now? Or are you going to build a business that's going to give you that? And this is a really easy tightrope to fall off when things get hard. Well, I could hire that person or I'll just do the work myself. I'll just get a freelancer. I'll just find a contractor that's going to be cheaper for me in the short term. But actually, it means that you can't build it up in the long term. 
for me, this is where this whole discussion comes to a head. If you're not investing in the business, then that's totally fine. Take the money into your own pocket, but stop saying that you're going to grow a business. Yeah, you businesses, can't have it both ways. Businesses eat cash and not just when it's working, when it's not working or you're experimenting. Experiments cost money and most people don't understand that it's either real cash or your time, which should be equated to cash at some time. Obviously, at the start, the commodity you've got to burn is your time. So, you know, we've all done it. I'm going to just do the work, work it out myself. That's, a, you know, that's the entrepreneur's journey at times. You have to play roles that you shouldn't be playing. But you must understand what you're trying to do and you have to calibrate then whose money is it? And this is important. When your business starts to earn excess cash, is it your money or a business's money? So Alana and I use this phrase. We get paid as employees to perform a job in our companies. That's it. And that's the market rate for those business or the, sorry, those jobs. Now, if we want to invest in our business, we pay ourselves personally a bonus if we beat our KPIs for the quarter, but we invest a particular amount always back in. And for us, it's a very high amount. Probably from others looking externally, internally, they're going, you're taking way too much risk, leaving that much money in the business and keep running things. Because if you had just taken out another 20% and bought investments over the last decade, you would have this secured against your personal name. But that's not our ambition. Our ambition is to build companies. And so the first thing you must calibrate at every stage in your life and every year is, what is my investment strategy back into the business? If you had an extra hundred grand right now, what would you do in your business? If you had an extra million dollars right now, what would you do in your business? If you have an extra 10 million in free cash flow, what would you do with your business? Now, if you're a small business, stop thinking about the extra 10 million, get on to work and make your first hundred grand. But you need to know your strategy around that because if you don't, you will get very mentally fatigued by constantly making decisions, which is, I want to do this for my business, but should I take an extra so much out to give to my family or whatever? We had a client who's done particularly well over the last two years. He's grown his business by about 4,000%, which is good because it wasn't a particularly small business to start with. And one of the big shifts we had to make with him was, you need to sit down with your wife and talk about your family's investment strategy into this asset. because. Her ambition was to protect the family, which is just pay down our mortgage as fast as we can. Um, I want to make sure we never have to worry because only a business can be risky. He had ambition to grow a company, which was part of his personal ambition and what he was really trying to achieve in life. And they hadn't had that conversation. So anytime there was excess money, they both got completely different ideas of where that money should go. So we actually had to do the same thing. Set a wage that your family's happy with. I don't care what that is. And then as soon as it hits that, it's not your money anymore. The business needs to eat it if you want to get to where you want to go. But that's a big discussion, right? And sometimes if you don't have a wife or a partner, you might need to have it with yourself because it's very easy to buy a sports car and it's dumb at the wrong time. <laughs> at the wrong time, shut up, you two. At the right time, you should. <laughs> I like sports cars. Listen, I'm just saying. <laughs> but it's the point, right, is you need to really work out that strategy. And so this is us talking about investment in business financially, paying other people, paying yourself. It also comes when you look at, we'll call it the big client. And this can be either if you're service-based, getting that actual big client in, or if you're a product manufacturer, anything like that, it can be landing a really big account. 
Yeah. You're not always going to make money on the big ones. Quite often you can lose a lot of money. But when we talk about growth, it can also be the reputation. It can also be what comes, (laughs) what you're going to get from losing money. Investing. Investing. That's what we call it. (laughs) What you get from investing time, money, resources into something that might not have that big financial impact. But you know, again, in the future, it's what's going to set you up to be different or get to the next level. That's an interesting one, isn't it? Because it's a different type of investment. So you might land a really big client if you're a service business. You might get a really great distribution partner if you're a product-based business, whatever it is. And you're so excited because you've worked so hard to get a game-changing type of opportunity. But with these first ones, it's not necessarily always the most profitable one because you're changing category now. Let me give you an example. When we landed uh, in a few of our businesses in different ways, a category shift client, the legal fees just to get the contracts right and everything like that killed most of our profit at the time. And they weren't you know, astronomical, but they were really big. So that was an investment, but that investment in that contract or the way we did business from that point onwards paid off a hundredfold over the next two, three, four years because you become a better business. You're able to deal with different category of clients. But at the time, you would have just loved the cash, right? Because you're not probably paying yourself that well at the moment. You go, that's going to really take some pressure off. So you actually have to understand that that's an important investment. I think, Lana, these are the ones that you invest knowing that it's the right thing for your business. It makes it better, but it never has immediate financial results. Never immediate financial. And also, it can be such a stress. It can actually cause you those sleepless nights and that internal angst. But it also makes you better as a business. And this is what I like about these sorts of clients is suddenly your systems are taken up a level. Suddenly your thinking has to be better. Upgrades. Upgrades across the board. And you often, respectfully, you don't have to upgrade for the clients that you're currently with unless you choose to do it. You can just coast through. When you get that whale, that bigger client, that great distribution partner, you have to lift your game. And it comes back to what we're talking about here is investing in growth doesn't mean money. Investing in growth can actually be being better. And that's a very difficult pill to swallow when you realize that you're not the greatest, that you're good, or you could be great in your, your category. Business. Yeah. What you as a person, I know every time we got a bigger client, I got better because you have to learn new things. You have to lift your game. You have to suddenly talk different, walk different. You have to play a different game. Yeah. It makes you better. Yeah, you belong in that environment. Yeah, and it's a very scary thing and sometimes upsetting thing to think or to know you're good, but you're not great. And this is how you get great. I had a very interesting conversation with a client about that because we were, they they said something offhand, which was, it was a a celebrity that was in the paper or something. They go, can you believe they spend a million dollars a year just on their personal assistants and fashion people and and this and that? I'm like, of course I can understand that. They said it, but it's a million dollars a year. Okay. Yeah. But their business is themselves. Of course, they're going to have to look perfect. Of course, they're going to have to be fashion forward. Of course, they're going to have to be at the right places. That's the job of a a professional celebrity, right? Who's to judge? But it's a foreign concept for the business because it's people, I think a good example, Lana, would be businesses that say, I I can't attract the right um, employees. And I go, but have you looked at yourself? Your website's ugly. You don't really have any core values your office isn't an inspiring place to walk into. And it's not that you have to do that all at once, but even at a certain level, one of your, one of your challenges might be to attract the right sort of employees. 
and the right sort of employees aren't going to come to a place that looks like it's half asleep. So creating a brand, creating all these things that early on might look like something that's a waste of money has a it has a an exponential advantage at the right time and this is a a massive thing now for everyone listening who's got a small business don't go out and start spending all your money on branding you've still got to get there because you still have to be a decent company but at some point you have to be attractive and you have to be spending on things that are going to bring or have people wanting to work with your business because you're going somewhere that branding thing's an interesting point because it's not something that you have to invest in once. As you go up through your client classes, you reinvest in the brand. And each time you reinvest in the brand, it's more and more expensive. So you're still going to face those same challenges just on a bigger level each time. And why it's so hard at the start is there's no proof. There's no proof hiring that person is going to make a difference. There's no proof investing in brand is going to make a difference. There's no proof that landing that whale is going to make a difference. And It's not until you do it and probably months after it's all happened that you realize the difference it makes. I know for uh, for Tim and I, quite often I'll find something from when we first started, a document, symbols that were our logos, (laughs) (laughs) Uh, proposals that's got Tim and I standing back to back on them and that's the sort of cover page. (laughs) I've still got copies of all of those. (laughs) And it's not until you look on those that you realize that investment was so big for us at the time to actually have a branding person do it for us. And to be honest with you, I don't think it was that expensive, but at the time- At the time it was. It it, was like losing a hand. It was huge. But what it did, it made us valid in the eyes of our employees. It made us valid in the market. And it also made us really confident to be able to go out and say, here's our proposal, here's our pitch deck. Tim, I think you wanted to get tattoos of the symbols up your arms. <laughs> that may have been an error in hindsight, <laughs> but um, I still stand by they were pretty cool symbols. But it actually, it made you proud of what we created. That's true. Personally, why I think this is such a hard discussion, and it's also a discussion that you can't have with people who haven't done it before. Because it's really easy to say, oh, spend that. If you're from a big corporate, oh, that's fine. That just goes to marketing. It's just yeah, a- Never it- take this advice <laughs> from people who have never spent their own money. <laughs> Ex-corporates who have never actually come out of their pocket. You've got to spend on that. <laughs> it's, it's really, really difficult to see it as a line item when it doesn't affect you versus when you have to make that decision, which is by doing this, I'm possibly giving up something else. And you can honestly, only through experience can I say it's the best thing to do when the time is right but you don't always know when the time is right. No, and that's the art form rather than the science of this whole business building, which is does it feel right? Sometimes you're forced into it because you lose a pitch or you you know you're missing out on opportunities because you're just not that exciting as a company, so you invest in things like branding or whatever it is. I think for me the interesting one was when I started my business and literally had nothing, maybe less than nothing because you were losing money every week, but I spend more now per hour on my accountant than it cost me for a full year at the start. And if you had told me back when I started a business that this is how much I'd be paying my accountant, I I wouldn't have believed it in a million years. Now, the difference is is I didn't value the guy (laughs) at the very start and I absolutely understand the value of the accountant fees now. There's a switch as a business owner where you start to understand everyone's role. But if you're in this SME space zero to 50 mil turnover you have to change your consultants and your core people around you at some stage i'm talking 
accountants, lawyers, graphic designers, branding people, but there's a natural evolution that you should be outgrowing those people if they're not growing at the same trajectory as you. Because all of those people have a place at certain levels, but not all of them are created equal. And if you're wondering what's the difference between a $300 accountant who does your tax and a $300 a minute accountant that does your tax planning, well, you'll naturally understand that when you get a huge tax bill one day or you, you've got a lot of profit. Not everyone, because they're called the same thing, does the same thing. You have to understand who's right for you right now. Because I'll tell you the other error I made when we started off, I had a mentor who was very, very wealthy. So he just sent me to his accountant. His accountant cost us six months of profit for, the, for his first consultation. I was furious. I'm like, we don't need this sort of accountant. I just need someone to make sure that we're meeting our tax obligations. So you have to look around at who's advising you in different areas in your business and life and work out, is that the right person right now? Because you will have to outgrow them. And that's just a natural part of it. Because if you're holding on to these people for the long term, it means you're probably not growing fast enough. And I've personally had a very interesting experience over the last two weeks, which was an old client has come back to us. And just in our interactions, the maturity that has come from both sides since we were last working together, it's, just, it's miles apart. And it's partly, you know, the skill set's gotten better. It's partly that they've learned a lot. It's partly that the relationship is now wanting to be together as opposed to legacy wanting to be together. But this idea of changing consultants or whatever it might be, it's changing the ones that aren't growing. Or outgrowing you. Or you know that you're not performing as well in that area as your business should be. Yeah, because I can say even from my personal experience that our bookkeepers were probably too big for us when I started with them. But then we caught up and we (laughs) we had quite blunt conversations and now they're back to being better from what I need from them because I got mature in how I dealt with them. I got mature with how I needed to deal with my accountants and my bookkeepers for the growth of my business. So they weren't just resting on their laurels and sort of churning through it as they should. They realized that I wanted more and they could give it to me, but I hadn't asked for it. I think that's really important. Before you go and burn all your consultants and your um, people have been helping you out for the last few years, sometimes the blame needs to be on you because you haven't asked the right questions or articulated what you want. Now, a lot of people would argue, shouldn't they be doing that? And yes, the better ones will because not only do they want to ask the questions, they want to upsell you on a whole bunch of other services. But you need to know what you need from that person right now. So in Lana's case, she started to, and correct me if I'm wrong, started to understand her own business better. So she knew what she needed, not what others thought she needed. And it's going back to running your business how you want to run it. I don't really care what you offer. This is what I need can you offer this? And then they'll come back with, we could do it like this, 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 or this, or no, that's not how anyone does it. If someone ever says to me, no, that's not the way it's ever done. I go, great, you're on my review list because my consultants all need to be people who are entrepreneurial in thinking too. How do we see if we can do this and then work out whether we can or can't, not dismiss it because it's different to how they like to run things. And that's actually why our bookkeeper is great for you, Tim, because there is a team of two who work with you and I on the business yep. and on the personal. And one of them is more specific, direct implementation. The other one is much more big picture thinking and excitable. Yep. And so when you talk to them, I think if the implementation side of it 
it was just them, they probably wouldn't get what you were saying. And it's part of that because now we need a holistic view of that area. So finance being the obvious one, which is we need someone who's not only thinking about our business finance, the fundamentals and meeting all your obligations from a taxation point of view or local rules and whatever. It's making sure that we're optimizing it for our personal lives too. How do we use our business as an asset for tax minimization, if that's the point, or investment optimization or a whole lot of different things? They should be thinking about that. And that's where you start to, at that level, starting to think, are they the people who can do what we want? So we had to move accountants because we knew as soon as we start, started speaking about our personal, all they wanted to do is, you need to see a financial planner. Go, no, 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 you don't. That's absolutely the wrong conversation. The conversation is you don't even know our assets and everything going. We need to look at this now and put a plan together. And then a financial planner might be part of that. But you could see it was outside their comfort zone of how to approach this for for what we knew we wanted to build. And if you're listening to this thinking, I thought this was about investing more money into my business, it is. What we're getting at, though, is that as you grow, you get bigger problems. Better problems. Sometimes better, sometimes worse, (laughs) but it's what you signed up for. And there's this idea that when I grow, it's going to be easier. When I grow, I'm not going to have the same problems. You're right, you won't have the same problems because you've hired someone else to deal with them. But suddenly you get bigger problems that you have to be ready for. And this is where investment is really easy to take, but really easy to make it work. You have to understand the weight that comes with investment from outside sources or from your own time. I think getting back to the practicality of investing in your business, you have to be okay with knowing that experiments are part of growth in every company. So if you look back on everything you've done so far, and we look back, Lana, it'd be, I would hate to even count the amount of money that we tried things on that didn't quite work the way we wanted to, but it wasn't a a loss, it was a learning in that stage going, we know we needed to spend that money because we know we needed to work out what would happen if, and we've got better at probably spending more specifically now on experiments rather than just uh, give it a go and see what happens, which is most smaller businesses do that. They just go, oh, we'll just give it a go. We'll just do digital marketing for a month. And it's like, did you really think you're going to win that if that's the way you're approaching that experiment? If you're running experiments and you're investing in things, it should be, I know we're going to lose money at the start while we're learning potentially, but I want to get this in the long term for the company. So I have to have a strategy which is potentially not losing money, but I may limit the results that money's investments returning because it's part of that growth of that part of your business. And digital marketing is a pretty good example because you need the learning to keep optimizing until you find the way to click in. It might be a business development manager. It might be understanding that they might need a certain amount of months to get up to speed, to develop a network, to put together the plants. It might be opening up a new office in a different city. You need to learn the local city a bit more, understand that, get indoctrinated around the community, whatever it is. But these are the things that require cash and they require a, at times, a loss of money for a period of time. But you know that's what the business needs to do. So you have to invest that money. And that's when we're talking about self-investment. It is backing your business plan 
with the required investment to give yourself every chance to be successful. And the flip side of that that I hear and see all the time is when when a new employee is hired, the comment, oh, it's quicker if I do it myself. And to me, that's so deadly and it is so true and yet small business-minded. Yes, you can do it yourself, but if you want to grow, isn't that the whole point? You have someone else doing it, so you have to actually train them. So within the money that's going to go out, you also have to factor in a loss of your time for a period. Yeah, that's part of the investment, not only cash reserves being potentially dwindled, but your focus for a period of time if it's a major project. And for smaller businesses, that might be your first employee. And a lot of small businesses go, but I employed someone. Shouldn't they just be doing it? Go, no, that you're, you're developing your first employee. You're going to have to spend time training. You have to spend time culturally. You have to spend time doing all these things. When you get to your 10th employee, you might have to change the way that you run your cultural programs in your, your company. It might require different management meetings. It might require you going to separate things. But this is part of that experimentation. And you're 100% right, Lana, reduce not just financial investment. There's a focus investment in a lot of these projects. And at a certain time, it should be your focus because if you're a smaller business and you're, it's your business, then you don't want that project to be screwed up. So sometimes at critical moments, you have to make sure it doesn't. You have to step in and not with a level of, I can't believe I have to do this. It's your business. If you weren't going to do it and you were willing to lose the client, you have to take a hard look at where you're at. And so for me, I love this discussion because everyone says investment is money. Am I putting enough money into my business? That's only part of it. It's everything that comes from investment. If you're going to grow it, you have to commit across the board and you probably will take less money. But if you know what you're growing, from my point of view, it becomes much, much easier to see the asset grow through other entities like time or lack of time on things. Yeah. And if you're investing in things that are for the positive of your business, that's wonderful because you're making an active choice. Not investing in the things that you need to meet your business plan or your ambition is also a choice. You're choosing not to reach your goal or your ambition. And this, this actually does haunt me a lot of the time because I know we could have taken out, um, how do I put this, a shit ton of cash if we wanted to over the years and chose not to. But we wouldn't have been able to sleep knowing that we didn't go after what we wanted to build. So that's a choice to not invest. So if you're not investing in your vision and your dream, what do you expect to happen? That's just the way it is. And this is for me, when we were originally, well, one of the times that we were looking to sell the agency, there was a comment that came back of, but why does Tim get a certain amount of the money? Because you weren't implementation in the business. As I was just a lonely shareholder <laughs> and founder. <laughs> and it was almost this um, offence of why does Tim get this amount of money? Yeah, this is by supplementary shareholders that felt that they were doing a lot of the heavy operational lifting hmm. for a few years. And it's what, what they didn't see and what many people will never see is these risks that are taken to not make money. These risks that are said, well, instead of us putting this money in our back pocket, we're going to invest in something that's going to get the business to the point that when it does sell, it's going to be worth more. And I always, now <laughs> hindsight, very much so, I always smile at that because it just shows that I was on the right path. I was thinking the right way because it's never been a question. It's not about the amount of effort that's put in at the time. 
It's that lead up to it. And it's this idea again, unless you're in the business, don't expect other people to understand how much you put into it. Yeah. And I think if you're a business owner out there and you're starting to get a form of success, this is why I sleep very well at night. No one else apart from the owner understands the risks you take, the decisions you have to make, and what you're prepared to do to be successful. Nobody who doesn't have that buy-in is at your level. And so you should be guilt-free when the rewards start to come. You should, and you don't have to justify to anyone why you want to do anything because nobody understands it. Nobody understands the sleepless nights sometimes when you're there and you're like, I don't know how to get to payroll tomorrow. They don't understand the sleepless nights of, if we lose this client right now, I will lose everything I own. They don't understand that I am contractually obligated to deliver this and if something goes wrong, I go to jail. So if you're having problems with that or you're starting to get a level of success and people are looking at you differently, smile and keep going because nobody has the right or understands what you've gone through to get there. I don't care who you are. This is everyone's journey. So I am guilt-free when I do things at the moment. People go, your business has got so big. Surely you're making a lot more money. I'm going, you don't know anything about my business. Yeah, we're bigger, but I'm a heavy investor. We're running. So I think that's something you have to calibrate at a time because as we've had challenges over the years too, Lana, which is people who feel like they've done a lot of work for your business, but they're on free rolls. And it's not to disrespect what they've done, but none of them were prepared to lose everything for a decade to play the game that we play. And that's just a fact. And the very simple example I always give of this to my girlfriends particularly is no one knows what really goes on in your relationship. If you have a partner, no one knows, no matter how much you might share or tell, between those two people, they're the only two that know. The same goes for the business. It doesn't matter how in it someone is. It doesn't matter if they see the books or if they see the day-to-day. Unless it's them in that business, you can't understand it. And so it's a bit of a step back needed for business owners just to have a look at where they are and to say, yes, I have built this up. Yes, I deserve investment. Now, what are you going to do with that? And if the answer is, you know what, I just want cash in my pocket, wonderful. Stop saying that you're going to play a big game and enjoy the cash in the pocket and go and live that life. But if you say, no, I actually, I enjoy rolling the dice. I enjoy taking risks or the feeling when they come off. This is what I want to do. Then that's great. Start doing the investment. But that's a really big shift that has to happen. If you really want it, do it. And if you don't really want it, stop talking about it. Yeah. And I think that's probably a really good place to end this conversation, which is There's no right or wrong with how much you should spend or reinvest into your business. And at different stages in life, you might recalibrate what you're prepared to risk in it. But that's the great thing about being a business owner and an entrepreneur. You get to decide. And if you get to a stage in life where you are high risk and you're like, I think I'm done with feeling like I could lose everything the next day, you might decide to bring on investment. You might decide to sell part of your company. You might decide to leverage the risk. There are always opportunities to still do what you want and change the risk parameters. At the moment, for Alana and I, we're okay with a a certain level of risk. But one day we might decide that risk just not, we don't want that, (laughs) that enjoyment anymore. And so for all of you out there listening and thinking about what are my risk parameters in my business and my personal life, 
try that coat on for size, whatever it is. If it works for you, do more of it. If it doesn't, change it. You're still in control and there's no right or wrong. It just has to fit you right. And when you get that balance right, where you get the excitement of risk, but not enough to put you in a corner crying, you'll probably find this really nice place where your business and personal life will accelerate because you're meeting your financial obligations, you're heading towards your goals, and you're enjoying that level of risk and movement in your personal life and business. Lana, Nigel, great to talk about this and let's do it all again next week. See ya. Well, that's the show for this week. Thanks for listening. And of course, if you head on over to backable.ai, you can access all the downloadables we've put together. Now, if you want to stay up to date with all things Backable and Philodomo, then make sure to join our Facebook group and follow us on one or all of the platforms you can find in the show description below. As always, if you have enjoyed this week's podcast, please don't forget to like, subscribe and leave a review. That's all from us for now. Have a great week and we look forward to speaking with you next week. Bye.